Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. On today's episode, we have got on a rapper, an entertainer, a social and political and cultural commentator. He's got hundreds of millions, if not billions of views online at this point, and this is the one and only Anomaly. Welcome to the show. Thanks. And you were my first guest on my podcast when I started my new one, so thank you. No doubt, man. You're welcome. How you been? Great. Life is good. Fantastic, man. You are someone who strikes me as uh, always being positive despite talking about the madness and being very aware of all the craziness that's going on in the world. So first things first, how do you balance that? Man, I think we have similar mindsets in the sense of like we don't see ourselves as the victim. And I know sometimes people spend so much time being like the left is the victim, but we're the victim of this also because they're persecuting us where I'm very grateful. I've worked very hard. I'm trying to be appreciative of what I have and use that as fuel to keep it going. Uh, it's funny because on Twitter, my tone is not there. And it seems sometimes people are like, you're always complaining. I'm like, in my head, this is hilarious. But maybe text-based wise, it doesn't come off well. Audio, video, you can kind of feel the energy and where I'm at. But really, that's it. I think that nothing's guaranteed, especially if you've ever had bad days, health scares, anything of the sort. You know, I try to take a day that seems whatever as like an opportunity to create make things happen and i'm just super super grateful to have ever gotten here against the odds and uh yeah i, I just can't squander that moment i look back at my ancestors who my, my grandfather told me he used to have to make his underwear out of potato sacks and it's like you know we're out here complaining getting uber eats it's even a bad day is not that bad it could be worse i hear that man last time we spoke on a pod um on my pod it was about two years ago i think maybe even could have been over two years ago. I want to say it was, I want to say it was before the world went completely went completely nuts, which everyone seems to have forgotten about now. Um, man, the last couple of years, I mean, I, I've spoken about it on so many podcasts and so many private conversations. But how would you sum up what you have learned? What have you learned over the twenty twenty? Let's say the twenty twenty to twenty twenty two period. The C-19 situation, let me not say uh, any magic word that gets demonetized. What, what have you learned about humanity, man? I mean, I did a whole thread that went viral about what I've learned about human nature or things I had confirmed, but what have been some of the biggest takeaways um, after living through that period for you? 
I guess on the since we talked about the positive, I'll start with the negative because sadly <laughs> that's what comes to mind after 2020. But uh, I learned, I would say, in the media world and in the conservative influencer world, I, I learned that a lot of people are not so much critical thinkers. They're more just professional. I call them bobbleheads where, you know, you just like program them with like the party thing and they just do that where, you know, when Trump was flip-flopping on lockdowns and I, I'll never forget it was April or May, he had said that Sweden basically should have locked down. And uh, how many people were like, yeah, that's great. And I'm like, that's really not free market at all. And that's not actually great. So I learned that, that I think a lot of people that I thought would maybe get it, didn't get it. And that goes not just for the right, obviously with the left. Um, I realized how many people are followers and are willing to compromise certain things. I understand it was difficult. And for many, it was a life or death or perhaps maybe like their job security, their family. But I felt like, you know, this if it shattered any and this is maybe the positive that I could take out of it. I kind of felt that we were building a movement, a coalition that was really different in politics. And I still think there is a lot of that over overbearing. But I realized that when push comes to shove, it's not 50 50. It's like, you know, a very small percentage are willing to stand up for themselves and people are willing to fight over other things or fall for certain narratives. So, yeah, I guess I, I saw it as, wow, I, I thought more people would be rejecting this tyranny. Mm. And a lot of people, it felt like they not only weren't on the left, they weren't, they were going along with it. And on the right, I felt like it was very half-assed for lack of a better word, like real quick, like CPAC in uh, Florida, I think it was like a year or two years after the lockdowns, there was a mass mandate because it was in maybe a liberal city and a corporation that had it. But I was like, it's not his fault particularly. And I'm sure they do great work. But I was like, this is a, you know, freedom event and people at the event can't even take their masks off. I felt like that was a perfect analogy of like, you know, how how our side got played, our, our quote unquote side of, of liberty. Mm. It, it's really fascinating. I mean, the first thing that strikes me is to the the fact that it's even considered there's like aside for liberty you know what i mean like it it's such an interesting framing i think it says a lot that so many people even saw the past few years under like any type of sort of left right split or liberal conservative or this or that because it's not something that inherently really sort of should be that way right like there's this sort of funny irony like I had conversations with people, um, you know, I was traveling, <laughs> I managed to keep on traveling throughout most of it. Um, but I remember having conversations with people, I mean, even to this day who are like, oh, you know, my, my mom is super liberal or my sister is super liberal and, you know, she's pro lockdown, pro mask mandate, pro vax mandate. And I'm like, is that super liberal? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like by any proper definitions of words, why should someone who calls themselves a liberal be in favor of forced face coverings and forced injections and locking down of businesses and human, like these are all completely anti-liberal ideas. And it's so strange how the words and language we use has kind of all been, it's all been kind of mixed up. It's weird because supporting that stuff is sort of neither liberal nor conservative. It's just, I just call it authoritarian because that's really, that's really what it is. And we've kind of reached this strange situation where in many aspects conservatives are more liberal than liberals on many things. I mean, the same goes with freedom of speech, uh, same with, you know, all the stuff that we saw. I mean, even the skepticism around big pharma and giant corporations and big tech and all that, like 
traditionally they would have been the left that is right. opposed to giant corporations and is skeptical about big pharma and so on. Even people who were like genuine anti-vaxxers tended to be more left-leaning in the past, as far as I'm aware. And we've gone through this strange inversion and reversal on all these different issues where I think we're at a point now where people don't even really know what any side is standing for. It's not super, it's not super clear to me. And it sort of differs from country to country. Of course, I'm from the UK. So the left-right split is kind of seen differently. The words liberal and conservative are used differently. Um, but I noticed in the U.S. for sure, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the left and the right, the left and the right. Things are very much kind of framed in this binary. But um, it's, it's definitely not that simple. Yeah, and I think that, especially that it happens more in the U.S., you could see it in how people on both sides are getting programmed. Like, for example, I'm sure you've seen the meme of every all the left-wingers out for Occupy Wall Street, and then the banks just put, like, a rainbow flag on it, and all of a sudden, like, those same liberals are marching with the banks. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but it's like that. It is that easy to trick these people now. You give them a Trump, and then you convince them to take illiberal views that are insane, literally insane, and they don't even realize it because they're, they're more attached to, to the narrative of politics, which was seen when there were op-eds being written during George Floyd. And the lady was like having this moment. I remember reading it was New York Times or one of these mainstream articles. And she's like, I'm not sure why I support all these people out in the streets because I, I really didn't two weeks ago. And, and she was like grappling with the fact she was a total hypocrite losing her mind. And then on the right, too, I think so many right wingers, all they do is dunk on the left. That's like, you know, they almost like the left makes fun of the right to feel better about themselves. Sometimes the right does that to the left. And I noticed that so many people over the last year or two have gotten so intellectually lazy and their, their thoughts and their ideas don't actually make sense anymore because they've spent so many so much time just opposing the left. So if Donald Trump does something that if Hillary did, they wouldn't like if DeSantis did, they wouldn't like if Mitch McConnell did, they wouldn't like they don't see it as I have my own perspectives and it's okay to just realize that he didn't, he failed me there or whatever. They're like, I feel like I have to make an excuse for something I don't actually believe because my loyalty is with this guy and this side versus that side. So I think the, you know, American left, right, how it's more jacked up here than other places, it's making Americans crazier, more divided. And also it's not just the left. I see, mm. I see the right falling into that same kind of, you know, echo chamber where they, they don't, they don't even challenge their thoughts anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's so interesting. I've thought about this so much, especially over the past, over the past six months in particular, I have noticed that, and I've commented on it publicly a few times, people on the right conservative side of the aisle displaying a lot of the same behaviors that made me very critical of the left for the past several years. It, this, this is ranging from victim mentality to playing the identity politics game, you know, especially on the racial angle. I'm starting to see that a lot more coming from the right, um, you know, outright lying and, you know, putting out edited videos or dodgy narratives, things like that. Um, purity spiraling, you know, kind of falling into this trap of, you know, how people on, you know, the woke side, they're always trying to outwoke each other, right? If one person is going that way, you know, they're always trying to outdo each other and you're kind of getting this purity spiraling and the cancel culture type of stuff happening as well. Um, and, and just the general anger and lack of lack of joy for lack of a better term. Um, I'm someone who's optimistic and I always think it's better to, you know, it's important to combat ideas you dislike, but I think it's more important to support and promote and tell the stories about the ideas that you think 
are better, right? And I think a big issue here is part of the, just due to the nature of the internet, both the algorithms and the incentive structure, it is, it's easily, it's easy to monetize just the outrage game, right? It's the same reason that the traditional media has gone to crap, right? Because they're just trying to post crazy headlines and stories to get people to click to get the ad revenue. But now a very easy way of content creation is to not really do any thinking, but just kind of keep pointing to the other side and saying, hey, look at this crazy thing. Look at that crazy thing. Look at that crazy thing. Look at that crazy thing. Instead of saying, hey, look, these are my values. Here are my ideas. Or even uplifting and supporting the people who are saying and creating the things that you'd like to see more in the world. And I've called this out a few times. And the typical answer actually is that, well, you know, the, the answer is literally, well, the other side are doing it, right? What are we supposed to do? Are we just supposed to And, you know, while I understand that on a human level, it's kind of like, okay, so is the answer just to sink to the same, sink to the same level and start, you know, putting out lies and being disingenuous and putting words in people's mouths that they didn't really say, taking offense to things that you're not really you know, some stuff is genuinely offended, but I'm, I'm also seeing people, you know, pretending to be offended by things. I'm like, bro, you're not really offended by that. You're just, you know, you're kind of feeding the outrage bait. And um, it does just overall, I'll tell you how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm just kind of feeling exhausted by it all. Um, I think there's been this, especially from 2015, it's like 2015 to 2023, there's been this eight year period of nonstop, right? Like nonstop jacked up culture war, you know, back and forth politics, just anger, 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 rage. I'm just kind of tired of it. Um, you know, I comment on stuff here and there, but I, I'm finding I don't have the same kind of will and desire to speak on so many things because it's just it's just nonstop. And there aren't that many solutions being proposed. There's not much positivity. It's just I don't know, man. I don't know if you I don't know if you feel the same way. I just find that it's it's been like nonstop for there's been no break for seven plus years now. And it's just tiring. Yeah, you're not alone. I think it's with the COVID and the lockdowns and all that stuff, there was like a, okay, this is happening and this is what we want to happen. You know, we want our liberty back. Now it feels, it's almost sad because I think a lot of people that we would consider allies, whether we agreed on everything, you see how childish you're acting. You're like, you know what, maybe you really aren't that much different than the left. So it, it kind of takes the purpose out of like, I'm half the people I thought I was fighting with are now trying to fight me over something that I don't even care that much about because I don't believe in it as much as them. You mentioned people posting videos where if I post a video and you say, hey, that's fake and it literally is fake, I'll take it down because that's the integrity that I have. I'm not trying to share fake news. But like you said, you'll find some people that you can prove it's wrong. And instead of being like, well, even if my narrative might be right, that video is wrong and take it down and mm -hmm. take the L, they'll justify it but because they just think their cause is so great that they can lie. And yeah. I, this happened the other day. I, I made a joke about it because some guy did something crazy childish and stupid. And, and his answer was like, yeah, well, the left did it first. And I'm like, I poop poop in my panties because the left poops their pants. Like, mm -hmm. that's why I pooped my pants. I'm like, are we in kindergarten? You're going <laughs> to do something childish and stupid and fake because the other side that you don't like did it. So that's OK when you do it. Like, I, I think I was out maturing this type of mindset in like sixth grade. Yeah. So it's kind of creepy to me and that's why it's exhausting me is i'm like you know me and you are more young in the political world maybe not to like a teenager but in the political world me and zuby are younger than a lot of these people and it's sad when you're looking at like a 50 or 60 year old and they're acting like a five-year-old and you're the adult in the room you know it's i'm seeing that more and more and i'm like i'm all into also fitness self-awareness self-accountability and 
it's like, you know what? I, I got to find a new angle that inspires me and excites me because arguing about Trump and DeSantis for a year with people that don't even care about the truth or, you know, left and the right, I'm just not uh, motivated to do that to the to the same extent I was as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and I think another problem is, you know, even though people deny it, so many people are still stuck in the mentality that um, that a politician is going to come and save them. So many people are still stuck. Like some people, it's kind of more obvious, but others you can see. I mean, even with and look, I'm, I'm not from the USA. Right. So obviously I don't vote. I don't vote in midterms or main elections or local elections or anything in the US. But I still see this. There's still this underlying idea that some politician out there is going to be kind of like the great savior of America and everyone is banking every two years, every four years of, okay, you know, whether it's Trump or it's DeSantis and, you know, people you know, can have their views on, you know, whoever they think is better, but it's still this kind of like savior idea The you know, we just, oh, we just need to get in our guy. And that guy is going to be the one who kind of just like uplifts America out of this complete mess. And it's strange because no matter how many times that is proven to be false on both sides of the aisle, right? It doesn't matter if you're talking about Obama or you're talking about Trump or you're talking about Biden or you're talking, the president can only do so much. And surely, for sure, some can be better or worse than others, but there's no, there's, there's just no savior, right? There's no one who's going to just come and actually end the Fed, right? And actually, um, you know, massively slash taxes or, or completely cut out income tax and, you know, go back to this sort of, I don't know, 1800 version of, of America, right? It's, not, it's just not going to, certainly not with one presidency, um, it, it's not going to happen. Or if you think of the things that are act, people's actual problems, mental health, uh, physical health, financial fitness, um, you know, the, the economy, the job situation, people's overall happiness, their family dynamics, marriage, all that kind of stuff, like which are the real day-to-day -day things that are impacting people. I'm just like, man, no, no president is going to, Maybe one, maybe they can like slow it down, right? Slow down some of the bleeding and not blow out the budget as hard as some of the others. But the truth is they all blow up the budget. Um, even the conservatives blow up the budget. So it's kind of like, I don't really know what people expect. It just seems to be this continuous cycle of extreme hype and then massive disappointment. I mean, I've been seeing this from a distance since 2008 because I, I actually was in the US in the run up to the 2008 election. And I remember the fervor about Barack Obama and like he was... It was like he was a, almost like a messiah. You know what I mean? Like with the, it, it was crazy. Like I remember, I remember the level of hype at that time. And you know, he had two terms, eight years. And sure, some people like him, some people dislike him, whatever. But I mean, what did he really? You know, what what was even the people who love him? I'm like, okay, like what did he really? I mean, you might like his like swag and his voice and that he's kind of he, he's cool or whatever. But like, what did he really do? Like in that eight years what was the real change, you know? Um, and people struggle to articulate it because there, there wasn't one and perhaps there, perhaps there can't be. I just think people are looking for solutions in the wrong places. Well, you nailed it with when people don't have self-awareness in America with pharmacy pills and uh, say obesity, these massive problems that are growing people's health, mental health is an issue. And the way to fix it is to take care of it on your, on a personal scale. But if you're always looking for help outside, you're not taking care of it. So the I don't know if this would be ironic, but the interesting situation is 
the left and the right paradigm is sucking people into this like WWE spectacle. So they never take care of those issues. And then they think Donald Trump's going to fix it or Donald Trump's going to take it. And it's just not really the case. And, uh, you know, Obama, eight years. Absolutely. He turned out to just be another like whatever. He didn't really do that much with Trump. I feel like Trump broke the brains of the left and they've never been the same. And I feel like he's starting to break the brains in the right. I want to give an example because I'm trying to follow it and be objective. And I have my critiques, too. But for some, as someone who actually did disagree with things that DeSantis did before Trump told me to, like a lot of the people that viciously hate him now, they didn't say a single bad thing about him or Florida or anything until the day that Trump told them to. So I'm like, do you really believe this or do you just say what Trump says? Because you can dislike DeSantis, but I'm trying to find the logic of it. And in pursuit of just hating on the left, I feel like the right's lost a lot of logic. For example, they'll say, well, DeSantis is deep state because he's got Paul Ryan and Jeb Bush, you know, backing his campaign. Those are two or three rhinos. And that's like, what if I could point out 10 rhinos that Trump not only has backing him, but hired and put in a position of power at HHS, FDA, Secretary of State, major positions. He hired Mitch McConnell's wife for Secretary of Transportation. So if three makes it so you can't support DeSantis, what if I could say there's 20 or 10 and also prove that Trump takes donor money from people that you don't trust? And then like people's brains break and they're like, no, 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 he wouldn't do that. And like he he did do that. It's not like he would do that. He did do that. So I know that, that, that that's not the threshold that drops your support for DeSantis. You're just listening to what that guy told you. And he's not going to tell you what he's doing because he's running a campaign the same way DeSantis isn't going to run around and be like, I'm taking donor money, everybody. So I might sell out, you know, and Trump's not going to be like, I took the donor money and I did already do that. Like, so this it's uh, this weird situation where the right has become very fake, very hypocritical, and they are absolutely idol worshiping and fighting like hyenas over Trump and DeSantis, where the reality is I see them, although I think they both have their pros and cons, it's more of like a Coke versus Pepsi than it is like a uh, golden savior of humanity hero versus a pile of garbage. Like, that's this narrative people are going with. And, and they're fighting with me as if I want to fight. Like you said, I'm exhausted. I'm like, I don't want to argue. DeSantis, your boy, right? I've never even met him. He's not my boy. I'm just a news <laughs> analyst analyzing the news. I'm, I'm so they want me to fight with them. It's like when someone calls you like a racist or an anti-Semite and you're not. It's almost like they want you to say something to get. And they're like, I actually don't hate you. So and they're like, yeah. darn it. I almost wanted you to so I could get a clip out of context. You're like, I don't. I'm too busy to to hate you yeah it's um that's that's actually another good example of more people on the right adopting those annoying left-wing type tactics right stick trying trying to stick labels that are not just just based on nothing i mean i've been dealing with this one a lot over the past year now right like now people are trying to say that i'm some type of i I don't know i've I've gotten that i i'm i'm an israeli agent I'm a Saudi agent. I'm a Russian agent. I'm a Republican agent. I'm a conservative party in the UK agent. Um, I work for the CIA. I'm in the Illuminati. I'm a Freemason. Um, Someone said I, you're artificial intelligence. I'm an artificial intelligence and I don't actually exist. I mean, it, it's, it's very strange how like people want to like spin certain narratives rather than just saying, okay, maybe this is just a guy who's got his own ideas and opinions and has worked hard to build his following and whatever over 15 years and he's not taking money from some shadowy organization um i've even had people i mean it's funny because sometimes i'll look through these threads when i when i see them and one of the 
two of the accusations against me that I'm some kind of deep state, deep state operative or working for Bill Gates or George Soros or whatever is that I haven't been banned from everything and that I have a million followers on Twitter, right? So they're saying you can't reach a million followers without selling your soul or being part of some organization, um, which is a massive cope. And then also that, you know, for me, for me to prove to them that I'm legit, I would have to get banned from absolutely, I'd have to get completely banned. And even then that wouldn't do it. Cause I see, they also call Andrew Tate a CIA operative and controlled opposition. So it's like, okay. And they, and they call Alex Jones that, right. I'm like, okay. So even the people who have been nuked from all the mainstream platforms and hit with lawsuits and imprisoned, like it, it, you think they're controlled opposition, right? If like, if they are, then it's like, okay, like I, I don't even know what the barometer for these type of people is to be like, okay, this guy is just someone who is a real human being, first of all, who just has opinions and ideas. And, it, and it's funny because oftentimes these are the same type of people who are incredibly critical of anyone they consider an NPC or following a narrative or believing stuff that's with believing stuff without evidence. But then if someone just goes, oh yeah, um, anomaly is a, is a, is a CIA shill. And they're like, really? You know, and they're just, I don't know, they'll find a picture of you scratching your head or something. And they're like, <laughs> that symbol is, you, you, and it's like, okay, so you believe that, right? You're, you're, you're trashing everyone else in the world for being like super gullible. And then someone literally an, an anonymous account on the internet says something and you're just immediately like, oh my gosh, wow, I didn't know that. And they all kind of like reinforce each other. I, that's something that I, like, I've seen it happen to other people over the years, but like, it's kind of very, it's very strange now experiencing this myself and being like, oh wow, okay, some people are genuinely just gone and there's nothing, if you say, if you, if you deny it, then that's evidence to them. <laughs> and if you did come out and go, okay, yeah, you got, you, you got me. Okay. I'm in the Illuminati and all these other things. And they're like, yep, we got him. And it's like, oh, okay, well he's denying it because he actually is. It, it, and the left does that, right? If, if they call you racist and you're like, Hey, I'm not racist. They're like, oh, well only ra <laughs> a racist would say you're not racist. Right. And then it's, it's, it's like, damned if you do damned if you don't, we've called you this thing. You, we've stuck the label on you. There's no way that you can evade it now. I think there's a few things at play. One, everyone has an opinion. If you get big enough, there's going to be thousands of opinions about you. So there's going to be left wing, right wing, you're this, you're that. Another thing is what we do. I mean, I don't, I don't like to put a label on it, but when you try to be honest and you get into the truther world, I'm not saying we're professional truthers. It's like a underground hip hop. Like if you're a love singer, people don't really care <laughs> what you're doing. Like, oh, that's a love song. It's whatever. We're not looking for great lyrics. But when you're a crazy lyricist, it's like you could put out a great song, but it's that crowd is so hard on you. The truther crowd, it's one of those crowds that it's like a punk band. Once you're Green Day, you're a sellout because you got too big. Like when you got 10,000 uh, followers, you're the man. You know, but once you hit 500,000 because you work your ass off, it's like, wait a second. How did he get there? And I didn't get there. I'm, I'm banned on TikTok, but not anything else. I, I'm real. I promise I got banned. But like you said, it's not enough. You can get banned <laughs> by everything. So being a truther is like being a punk person where you're like anti-system. But once you become so big, you know, there's a, there's a multitude of things that happen. And then also, you know, I guess depending who you are and what you want to do, like I, I always try to say it this way, like I don't and you don't really owe anyone anything like tomorrow i could stop making videos if i wanted to i don't want to and there's obviously incentive to do that but it's like you know at a certain point i didn't sign up to for this my whole life I, you know i don't want to be arguing on twitter forever so i think it's a combo of everyone has an opinion 
you become a big person telling the truth and it's almost better to be small like a punk band even though green day made good music the punk community hated them once they signed a major label just because they sold it and then also i think uh there's a lot of distrust in politics they've been fooled i think like bernie sanders fooled a lot of people the democrats obama fooled a lot of people trump fooled a lot of people republicans fooled a lot of people uh and some people have like whiplash so you know, if they disagree with you, like I remember we we disagreed about something last year, but it was to me, it was just that exact point. And I didn't really think much of it in, in the sense of like, that's what Zuby thinks. That's what I think. It wasn't like I'm going to discredit everything he's ever done. You know, some people are very passionate about certain topics and some people aren't. Um, you know, you don't owe me anything. I don't owe you anything. You don't have to take a year off to study about a topic that I want you to. That's not right. You know, you don't, you could, you could take a week break. You could take a year break, work out and just drop five fitness books and never talk about politics again. You know, that's kind of how I see it at least. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually make more money. And I think people don't know that. Um, <laughs> so many of these, I, I, there's a lot of people who seem to think I make my money from politics. I mean, number one, I'm not really in politics, but yeah, I, 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 let's put it this way. If I did not, if I did less of the sort of socio-political commentary, I'd, I'd make more money than I do from talking about it. Like, um, it's, it's really not my job. For me, it's more just, number one, intellectual curiosity. But the way I even got into this space, I, I don't know if it's the same with you, is, you know, some things were just going so insane, right? Back in, you know, 20s. I especially started noticing it around 20, 2015, 2016. But by the time it got to like 2018, I was just like, yo, man, like, what is going on? Like, what is going on on these college campuses and with this gender ideology and with all these other things? Like, that's why I did that deadlift video. That's why I started speaking on these things, because I was I was just like, man, like no one is really speaking up on this stuff. I, now more people are. But back in 2018, 2019, very few people we're willing to kind of stick their neck out and go, Hey, um, men shouldn't be competing with women in sports. Like this is goofy. This is not fair. This is silly. Uh, now there's a big movement against it, which is good. But at the time it was just like, everyone was kind of like, you know, like quiet about it, dan dancing around. I was just like, yo guys, this is, this is crazy. I was seeing what was going on with like the identity politics and, you know, remember, remember the term SJW, no one uses it anymore. But right. before work, people used to talk about, you know, the social justice warriors and all the like racial politics and the pushing of, you know, the, the black victimhood politics and, you know, white privilege and, you know, white people are the white people are evil narratives and just just splitting people up. And I was like, wait, 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 what is going on here? So that's actually how I started speaking up on all this stuff. Like it, I didn't come into it like, OK, I want to be this big culture war commentator or something. I was just like, hey, like I've got some concerns for what's happening in my country and across the West. And I don't think this is good for the people in general, I, I, I don't think it's good for kids. You're starting to you know, see stuff being pushed on children. And I'm like, hey, like this is this is just not right. Um, and if it's not right, you got to say something against it. But I, I think another thing that we've, we've touched on here, and I, I think one reason why um, a lot of this behavior happens is also because it's it's a lot easier. And I'm sure you've experienced this. It's a lot easier to only get attacked from one side. Right. So if you just take the full mega Republican conservative positions, like the safe kind of the safe positions within that tribe on everything, then you you'll get backlash from the left side of the aisle. And but you'll be you'll be supported by your own crowd. And that's kind of fine. As long as you're relatively tough, like you can deal with the, you know, the pronoun crew and whoever attacking you all day long. Um, <laughs> but like, or, or you can do the opposite, right? You can go full on woke. And you know you're gonna get you're gonna hate you're gonna get dunked on by conservatives and right wingers and whatever, but you've got your kind of mob behind you 
that is going to affirm you and stay with you. If you are more nuanced, right? And you've got say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill some criticisms of both sides. It might be, you know, 70% that way, 30% that way, because you lean more one way than the other. But some people are just so incredibly intolerant of any deviation that I think a lot of people think it's just safer to just dunk on the other side and never say anything that's kind of self-reflective or critical of some of the goofiness that might be happening from within their own ranks or some of the inconsistencies, some of the hypocrisies, some of the stuff you just straight up don't don't agree with. Um, I found that a lot of people don't don't like that. Um, so I think one reason why we were sort of seeing this bifurcation even more is just because it's, it's kind of safer and it's also more lucrative, right? There's kind of inbuilt audiences where you can just go right. just go all the way that way and you can promote yourself, you can feed the algorithm, you can sell stuff off the back of it, or you can take this other route. But if you try to take that middle one, now you've got to deal with crap coming at you from both sides and having people over there. You know, I've had I've, I've literally in the same day been called a liberal with a leftist army as well as being called a far right, you know, white supremacist adjacent. What I like, like on the same day, sometimes perhaps even off the same tweet. Right. I'm being called left a leftist and I'm being called and I'm being called far right. And I'm just like, OK, this is interesting. Yeah, I see you. And I think that's a really interesting point. Like I see you as an individual who is really well spoken. You're really good at like phrasing things and putting it like to that where people are like, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like on Twitter, it's like, no, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want to share. But you're a hip hop artist. You're you're into fitness. You're into like self-awareness where a lot of people, what I'm realizing, you know, we've we have a song together, Anarchy in stores now. Now, but, uh, you know, check out me and Zuby's song. Um, But I I do hip hop and I do I call it news analysis. I'm analyzing the news. A lot of people I call them bobbleheads. You know what I'm saying? And professional like I guess like political cheerleaders like and that's not really what I do. So when people don't get it where I'm like, I vote Republican. I am I am registered Republican. I don't like what Trump did in 2020. And I really don't like what he's done since then. I like people like Thomas Massey more um DeSantis isn't perfect either but I don't buy necessarily like the narrative that Trump's spewing about that like this is now I'm in a I'm not gonna say I'm in a bad place my life is fine but it's like the left doesn't really listen much because they're in a whole different planet the right now thinks I'm left even though I'm taking more principled stances than their guy because I'm challenging their thought process and it leaves you in a really weird spot it's it's much less profitable it's much less enjoyable Mm -hmm. and now you're kind of fragmenting your base there are to be positive, a lot of people that feel the same. So that's like a rewarding, but I've never been just a, like a cheerleader. And I realized I'm like, oh, well, I was doing news analysis about lockdowns and news analysis about Trump and the media. You were just like a fan. You know what I'm saying? Like you're lobbying to be a politician or whatever. And I'm like, I never did that, but I'm starting to realize that a lot of influencers went that route. Like literally they'll just be copy pasting like campaign slogans and like pictures of him kneeling at graves and like just like things that are just what a campaign would do 
nothing wrong with it, but I'm like, this is why people can't think anymore too, because they've been following professional politicians kind of, in my view, masquerading as activists or truth tellers. And it's, it's a, uh, you know, I think just like the left is and the media, the, the right is now responsible for kind of dumbing down a lot of their audience and, and making them not be able to uh, think critically. And I want to say this real quick too, when it comes to disagreeing with people, whether it's me, Zuby, whoever, a lot of people lost the art of being uh, like, believe, I don't even want to say believable, but convincing where it's like, I believe this screw. It's like, sometimes I agree with people and they're so annoying that I, it just doesn't come over right. Where I'm like, you, you might want to figure out a way because me and Zuby actually listen and read stuff. So if you say it in a digestible manner, we might actually learn versus like, you know, I, I think some people think that just being mad is, is how you get people to listen to you. Or maybe they just don't care. They just want to be mad. But, you know, being convincing and thoughtful about how you word it uh, goes a long way, I think. And me and him, me and Zuby, I think, have kind of showed that. Yeah, thanks, man. Do, doing my best here. You know, I'm, I'm starting to question. I was wondering this earlier today. And I, I was wondering, you know, we have this idea that everybody wants to be happy. I don't know if it's true. <laughs> I don't know if it's true. Like, I think if we think of, we, we have this idea that all human beings, you know, we want all some of the same basic things, you know, and one of those things is to, to be happy. As I look at the world, I'm not, I'm really not sure about that. I think, I think the majority do, but I think there are, there's certainly people who, I don't know if it's in their entire lives, but, or at certain moments, but they get off on various forms of negativity. There's people who absolutely get off on fear, right? We, we saw it play out across the world, right? There are people who literally are addicted to the fear. Like they enjoyed the whole sitting in their house with three masks on and, you know, like they're still wearing their masks and doing, doing all their weird, weird stuff. And, and they, they like it and they like spreading, they like spreading that fear and encouraging other people to also be as neurotic as they are. And it's very bizarre to me because like I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of that. And then you have people who love like, they love anger. Like they like to be angry. They're scrolling through literally trying to find something that's going to anger them that they can like respond to and vent and all of that. So yeah, I was just having that thought in the gym this morning. I don't know what it was that, that made me start thinking about it, but I was like, does everyone even, does everyone even want to be happy? Just like I was thinking if, if everyone really wants to be, um, if everyone really wants to be like successful, I'm like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if they do. Cause oftentimes if you, if you give people advice, they don't like, they don't want it. Like sometimes someone will complain about something and you give a, a solution or you even walk them through something or you guide them to some resources. Not only do they not act on it, but they actually get angry. Like they get, they get upset over the fact that you're trying to, that you're sort of trying to help them. Right. They want you mm -hmm. to like, they want you to affirm, they want you to affirm them. Right. If they're saying they're depressed, they, they want you to affirm their depression and to give them compassion. If they're overweight, they don't want you to say, okay, look, here's what you can do. Here's a workout program. Here's how you can change your diet or whatever. No, they want you to, you know, kind of just empathize. Oh, you know, like you're, you're right. You know, it's not, it's not your fault. It's, it's the system and it's this and this and this, it's, it's everything but you. Oh, and also like the beauty standards are off and BMI is completely wrong and you're not really, you know, and, it's a strange, um, I'm not quite sure what's going on there psychologically. I struggle to understand it because it's very different to the way that I'm wired. Um, so when I'm kind of seeing this and you've got this like massive sample size, especially online, 
where you can kind of encounter all these type of human beings. Like there, there's whole species of human that I didn't know existed until I discovered certain corners of Twitter. Like I remember the very first, I remember the first day back in, I want to say maybe 2015 or 2016. I remember when I first, no, it must've been earlier than that. I want to say maybe 2014. I remember the first time I discovered the whole pronouns in bio people. Right. And I, and it was like this rabbit hole I went down. I was on one person's profile and it said, you know, I had the parentheses and it said, you know, he, him. And I was like, what's that? And then I noticed that other people in this conversation that I was seeing had he, him, she, her, they, them. And I was like, what is this? Like, like it was like a discovery. I was like, what, what, what is going on here? And that was like the moment I discovered, like I went down this rabbit hole and I was like, whoa, there's this like whole corner of Twitter where they put pronouns in their bio and like they're obsessed with gender and they're obsessed with like these labels and all of them seem to have some type of mental health issue right they're all talking about being bipolar or having depression or being anxious and they have anime lots of them had anime avatars and i was just like what i was like what is this i've I've never come across these people in real life and it's interesting because now it's like a known thing uh even being pushed by companies to put pronouns in bio but at the time i was just like what even is this when you're talking about do, does everyone want to be happy? I thought of three generic quotes, but they, I think they really solve it. It's just like hurt people, hurt people, you know, misery loves company. And then also if you lead a horse to water, you can't make them drink. So it's some people, you know, I think they're hurt and, and they, instead of fixing themselves, they just kind of want the, the company of the misery and others is, you know, I, I think because of my mindset and your mindset, as far as I, I see the best in everybody, I see the opportunity I don't look at people and maybe this is a flaw. (laughs) I sound like I'm giving myself a job interview. My only problem is I'm too (laughs) nice. No, I have other issues, but in general, it's like I see the best in somebody. And sometimes that person that you try to help the most because you see the best in them, they end up resenting you for it. You know, they end up resenting you because they don't have the will to really drive through. And then they hate you for it, even though your intentions were good. It's just like, I I don't look at you like you're a piece of garbage. I look at you like, dude, you could do it all. It's just like, you got to want to do it. John Jones posted on Twitter the other day and you watch like a Jordan documentary and you just see it in them. He said, you know, I'm at the gym and some we all go to the same gym, but there's different results. Obviously, a little bit of it's not a little bit of it, but some of it's genetic, et cetera. But he's like passion. That's what it is. It's passion. Jordan, you know, LeBron is physically more talented than Jordan. He could do everything Jordan does and more physically, but mentally, spiritually, you know, Jordan wanted it bad. I heard LeBron's a really nice guy to his team. A lot of people said Jordan wasn't nice, but he said, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to win championships. So yeah, I'm going to be mean. You're going to hate me, but we're going to come out of it with a trophy and, and you can hate me all you want, but now you get that trophy and you get to share that trophy with your family that you wouldn't have shared if I wasn't so mean. So I think it, it it's just like a, when you do have a mindset of like, yo, we could really all crush it and do it and someone doesn't, they end up resenting you uh, for trying to get them to that level often. And it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also the um, abundance versus scarcity mentality. That's something I I see a lot. It it seems like there are people in the world who I don't know if it's taught to them or they're just hardwired to think that the pie is finite and therefore one person's success takes away from or prevents others. And then there are other people who have an abundance mentality who realize, oh, actually, it's not just that one person's success doesn't take away from mine. It actually increases the probability of my own, right? If you are in a place where nobody is successful and nobody has anything, like, you know, good luck becoming successful in that environment. 
Whereas if you're surrounded by people who have resources and are successful and have got a certain mindset, that's you know going to be a great pr- predictor of your own success because I mean people actually have resources to buy things and to support things and to invest in things. And also just the overall mentality is going to rub off on you. But mm. some people, I think that's, I, I've noticed that there's people who get, there's people who get upset over very strange things, right? Like literally someone, someone loses weight and gets in shape, right? Or like someone goes from being skinny to being jacked. And there will always be a percentage of people who act like that person losing weight has somehow like added pounds to their body. Right. Instead of going like, hey, man, that's awesome. Like mo- most people will be like, hey, good job, man. Like, that's cool. That's inspirational. But there's this percentage that's like angry and resentful at it and will come up with all sorts of reasons to to be to, to be mad at it. And at, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of sometimes I'm like, ah, screw those people. At the other time, I'm also like, man, those are the people who I kind of most want to. I don't know how to reach them exactly. But those are kind of the people like I, I want to reach because they, they sort of need the message the most. The people who reject it the hardest, they're the ones who need to really hear that message of personal responsibility. Hey, man, like you can do it. You've got you've got you've got the potential. You know, it's within you. We can't make it happen for you, but like we can give you the tools. We can give you the motivation, whatever. So I, I sort of flip flop on that one between the, you know, Luxu, you, you, you can't save and you can't help everyone. And some people will hate you if you're even trying. But then also wanting to be like, man, like I do want to. When I do, especially with younger people, older people less so, but like when, when I come across like a young person who's like really stuck in the victim complex and they're just got this really negative mentality, I do want to be like, hey, like, let me try to, let me try to help you here. And yeah, I don't know. Some, I guess, you know, sometimes it does work. So maybe those are worth it. I wonder, I'm going to ask if your story is similar to mine, because I know we're, we're similar in age. We're similar, I think, in work ethic as far as like, it doesn't seem like you have I don't know how many people you work with or if anyone, but you seem super independent where, you know, there's nothing wrong with working with a team. Teamwork makes the dream work. But my life, unfortunately, or fortunately, has been if no one else is going to do it and everyone around me is being negative, that I'm just going to get by myself and just get it done. And and this is not a knock, but I'm just thinking of someone in my head like uh, Brett Cooper from Daily Wire. She's doing fantastic and she deserves everything she's getting. She's a great young woman, um, but she's got the daily wire behind her. And she'd be like more of a teamwork makes the dream work. You know, I came, did my job. I'm great at it, but I'm so grateful for these people. There's been people in my life who've been great. It's, but really it's like when I got alone, I saw in my worldview, a lot of people that weren't trying to take it to the level. And I tried so many times with certain people, let's do it, let's do it. And it never happened. So I was like, I guess I got to just get by myself, sadly and make it happen. And that's really where the mat, I I would like the team, but like you said, you pick the wrong person and then they start weighing down on you. And it's like, ah, you know, the energy has got to be right. And the person's got to be right. Is your story similar where you kind of just like, you know, you didn't see it going on around you. And then you had to be the, like the driving force to really make it happen. Yeah. Well, well, my story's strange because, you know, when, when I started my music career and putting stuff out there. I mean, I, I was, I was at Oxford university and I was doing computer science. So I was in a, I was in a very, um, hyper ambitious and intellectual environment, but not for the lane that I was pursuing. What I was doing was considered very weird, right? Like they were like, wait, there's a guy's at Oxford and he wants to be a rapper. Like he's, he's <laughs> rapping. So for me, it was, it was actually that it was just like what I was doing was such a, such a left turn 
I mean, if I'd wanted to be an investment banker or, you know, become a, you know, go into Silicon Valley and be a software engineer or whatever, like that would have been cool. But it was like, wait, why is, why is he doing this? You know, some, some people thought it was cool, but it was very lonely just because there was no, there was, there literally was no one else in like my entire university who wanted to be a rapper. Right. So I was kind of just like this weird anomaly who's just out there doing his things and, you know, making, making music videos and trying to hustle my CDs and, and all this kind of stuff. So for that, for me, that was a big reason why I took such a, such a lonely path. Um, funnily enough, if I were from a, you know, if I were from a background or, you know, if I, if I were probably from some like inner city area, right. And there was like more hip hop around me and whatever, I probably would have had more of a team because that would have been the thing there. But for me, it was just this deviation. So I, you know, it was just this kind of lone wolf journey of, okay. Um, all right. Maybe what I'm doing is not traditional. And even to outside, like, it's funny because both to people around me and people outside, it was weird. Right. So for, for, so for your typical hip hop fan is like, like, well, who's, who's this like Oxford boy who like wants to be a rapper, right? Like they, they, they kind of have that impediment. And it was also weird with me because of my accent. So, um, in the UK, I don't know if you know this, but in like the British hip hop world, the greatest sin is putting on an American accent, <laughs> right? And obviously I don't put on my accent, but I didn't actually grow up in the UK. So people are like, wait, this guy's British, but he sounds American. Like to this day, to this day, there's people who think I fake my accent. And I like, you know, you tell the story a million times. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I went to an American school. Like this is, this is just how I talk. I'm not going to sound like Skepta or Dizzy Rascal. Like I didn't grow up in London. Um, so, so I was just like in this weird zone where I didn't kind of fit in. I didn't really fit in anywhere and I didn't really get embraced by like the, the UK hip hop scene, like the kind of UK underground hip hop scene. Cause I sounded American and I'm coming from this like privileged Oxford background, but then in Oxford, I'm also kind of weird. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm rapping and right. you know, they're like, why, why are you trying to be a rapper kind of thing? Um, but anyway, you know, like it's uh you, you just you just do what you do and you know you you I, I think if you're genuinely authentic and you're you know you work hard you're kind to people you put out good stuff then you'll you'll find your audience um it might not be as quick or easy as it as it could be in other ways but i think if you're if you're yourself not not only will you find an audience but i think you'll find an audience who genuinely likes and appreciates you and I think that's much more important than just building an audience. I, I see a lot of people who build an audience um, that I know for a fact is going to turn on them, right? Because they're, they're building it just by playing to the crowd, throwing out the red meat, spreading negativity, dunking on other people. And then you attract a crowd who likes to troll, who likes to dunk on people, mm. who likes to be negative, whatever. And one day they're going to turn on you. Just like if you build your audience off of trying to appeal to the, the, the super woke and doing all the virtue signaling and putting the pronouns in your bio and spending all your time talking about BLM and putting up all the flags and whatever. One day, one day you're going to say the wrong thing, right? You're going to crack the wrong joke. Or maybe you cracked the wrong joke back when you were 15 and they're going to find it. They're going to dig it up and they're going to cancel you. And then you're going to be in one of these celebrities or public figures who's then putting out some groveling apology because you said something stupid 12 years ago or because you you laughed at the Dave Chappelle joke or you know you you called a man he or I don't know whatever whatever other stuff that you see every, every week it seems like there's another celebrity groveling and apologizing right 
And uh, as someone who grew up in America doing rap, I came from a small town. So when you're from a small town, that that's just like crazy and stupid. Like what? <laughs> what? Like who do you think you are? Like just shut up and go like be a <laughs> teacher. And then I went to West Virginia University, and then it's just like kind of cool because there's more people. Yo, freestyle at this party. Yo, hit this freestyle. All right, all right, yo, this guy can rap and just make up stuff on the spot. Like I would do stuff like that. But I always saw the internet as a golden ticket. So even there was like a local scene. They weren't always accepting me. You know, people play games sometimes. They don't believe in you. And I'm just like, dude, I saw like, oh, YouTube. I, I had like a million views in a year because I'm just banging out YouTube. I'm like, yo, people all over the world can see me if I record it and put it in this box thing. So I always was like, man, the internet. And I have uh, people that have really stepped up in my life now that I work with in some elements, but I'm still super independent. Uh, and, you know, I just saw it as like, if no one's going to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't know how to edit videos. Well, I better learn because or else I got to pay money, money to someone else. I got to make graphics like all these things that I didn't want to do. I did it just because I people kept disappointing me or charging too much. And I didn't want to either pay or, you know, I did not that I didn't want to. I couldn't. I had no money. And uh, it was one of those sort of things where even when you're in a place where you think maybe people support it's it's not always the case and with the internet it's just like man like i saw that as like you know labels can see me this could see me like how am i going to pass up on this and a lot of people didn't see it that way um maybe they did and they were afraid but like when youtube first popped up and i saw the first rapper his name was wax wax and herbal tea they would do car freestyles and i'm like wait i could put my car freestyle on youtube and that that is never the same after that i've been I've been a loser internet poster now for, <laughs> for 15 years now, just throwing all my thoughts out there, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it, the internet is a truly incredible thing. It has so many, so many issues and downsides as you know, we've discussed a few of them, but at the same time, the potential to just reach billions of people all around the globe. Like I think sometimes people forget that the internet is global. Um, I think sometimes people act and talk like it's limited to their country and they're not realizing that actually across the entire world, like I can guarantee you, I mean, I'm sure people from 150 plus different countries have watched your videos and listened to you. And it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, one thing I do want to ask, man, is, uh, for, for you, what's the, what number two questions, I guess, no, number one, what is the, what's the sort of big goal? Have you got like a North star goal? Um, and number two is what have you got in the pipeline or what's, what's your next What's the next big move that we should be looking out for? Yeah, I guess the the number one goal has changed because when I first started, I was aimless, but I wanted to make a difference like every political activist. But after doing that for two years, I like some would be like, oh, you've changed. And it's like, well, the change has been that I was not a complete person. And I was just like reeing all over the Internet of how I felt. But once I started actually honing in on myself, I realized that a lot of things that I thought weren't really what they were anyway. So you know, my main activism, I think at this point, and it might seem like a cop out to some, but I'm like, you really do have to change yourself to change the world. And as far as like politics, I do my best to try to impact people's lives. I know you said I've had a similar thing where people, you've made me lose a hundred pounds and 80 pounds. Cause I'm always talking about fitness and it's like, I'm not just yelling Trump, 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 or, or I hate Trump or whatever the other side does. So it's like helping people, but I also want to help myself in the sense of like, eventually i'm not in the, an immediate rush but i want to start a family i want to have a lot of kids one day that's really important to me over anything and i think uh you know as much as people 
this is something I was going to bring up anyway. So I'm kind of glad I could segue it. When we were talking about people hating on us, you know, to be self-aware also, I try to look at myself and be like, am I doing a good job? Because when you first start, you're hungrier like any band. And once you make a little money, once you get a little, you know, attention, there's two things that happen. One, sometimes you can change. But I think for me and you, the thing is like, we're exhausted. Like what I did in 2020, I can't do for five years. The amount of videos that I made, like people don't even realize my facial hair used to look crazy. And it wasn't even because I don't take care of myself. I'm just like, I was in Albert Einstein mode where I'm like, I'm making 30 videos a month and I don't care how I have to do it. You know, I don't care what it looks like. I'm getting the results and it wasn't sustainable. I'm doing six hours, seven hours of editing every single day and making the video on a little, you know, so I'm like, I, it, that, mixed with the evolution of like, if I keep doing the same thing over and over and social media changes, now they're doing reels and I'm spending five hours doing an eight minute video that people don't want to watch on Instagram. Why am I doing that? Because there's a, there's a balance between like switching and evolving. And that's hard for us sometimes to figure out, like, do I want to start a podcast and do this? Or, or am I going to fall behind or am I going to do this? So it's a lot of that stuff, but I would say the main goal would be to like find a woman that I really love, start a family and really, you know, secure generational wealth that, uh, you know, will provide that I have the freedom to not have to really do the things I want, but also with the goal of not changing who I am, not selling out, not lying to people and not becoming what I hate. And that's a hard balance to do. But I feel like some people, they'll, they'll think that's a bad answer or selfish. And they'll be like, well, my job is to get Republicans to do this. But what if you spend 10 years and the Republicans never do anything and you've just made people psychotic and angry and everyone got fat and they're addicted to pills now? Like, you know, it's like sometimes I, I, I like the energy that I have and you have in the sense of like, yeah, we might not agree on certain topics with certain people, but I'm telling people at the end of the day, I don't care if you vote for Trump or DeSantis or whoever do some push-ups, please. You know what I'm saying? Take care of yourself. Enjoy yourself. Like this is maybe not the most popular message, but I'm like, to me that I think that matters more than my opinion on this. So I think the overarching goal is really more like personal and family wise. And also, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be stuck in this world without some security. So, you know, being able to build and capitalize on what I work so hard for and not letting it all fall. So I have to be World Economic Forum, you know, guy number 17 wearing a dunce cap and a, and a <laughs> vaccine mask or whatever. You know, I don't want to get got like that. So I hear that, man. Well, wanting to start a family. I mean, that's that's powerful. I think I, I tweeted many years ago that I think that's the best form of quote unquote activism that anyone can do is actually raising good children and sending them out into this world. Um, and regardless of great things that, you know, other people have accomplished and said and promoted and activism and whatever, you could argue that's, you know, I, th I think most of the important stuff really happens behind the scenes. You know, the stuff that people are not seeing online, how you manage, how people manage their own bodies and families and relationships and marriages and, you know, getting their health and fitness in order. Um, you know, all, all the stuff that people don't see, right? The stuff that's not online, all that day to day kind of you know, mundane stuff, self-work stuff. I think that's actually where the biggest change, the biggest change is made. Um, I don't think, yes, there is a political battle going on, but there, there always is. There always has been. I think the battle is much bigger. I think it's spiritual, it's individual, it's familial, it's, it's cultural. It's, um, it's things that you can't just vote. You know, if you, if look, I'm going to, I'll be, I'll be straight up. Like if someone is listening to this right now and you're a hundred pounds overweight, then losing 50 pounds or 100 pounds 
is going to make a much bigger difference in your life and your family's life and your future than whether Trump or DeSantis gets the nomination, right? So if, if all your focus and attention is on what's going on in this political theater, I'm not even, I'm not saying don't vote, right? Go vote if you want. Um, but if you're focusing on all this external stuff and you've got some like really, really basic internal things that you need to get sorted, right? If you're having massive conflicts in your own family with your wife or with your husband or with your kids or your close friends or whatever, then that's the stuff you really should be putting your energy towards, uh, you know, because I think people do use the culture war in po politics often to um, not just to distract themselves, but to, to procrastinate, you know, to, to kind of hide away. You, you see this, especially on the left, right? You know, the left wing activists, have you, they're never in good shape, are they? Right. I've never seen a... <laughs> I've, I've never seen Mark one of these Ruff people. I've never seen say Mark Ruffalo. He's Mark Ruffalo. Left. Okay. The Hulk. He's got a lot of Hollywood money. So uh, yeah. I, I was, I, I was going to say, I don't think it counts if you're Hollywood. I don't think if it counts. Right. Um, but yeah, like when I see certain people, I'm just like, man, like none of you, none of y'all are even in good shape. Right. You, like maybe, and maybe if you got in good shape, you wouldn't be out here, you know, screaming at people on the street. Uh, cause you'd have that whole mindset shift, but yeah, man, no, and I, I think your answer was, I think your answer is good. And I think, uh, thinking towards the future, thinking towards family, children, all that stuff. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. That's where, that's where my head and mind space is at, is, is at these days. So, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's hitting the magic mid thirties, but, um, yeah, I think that's going to be, uh, the next chapter for a lot of us. So that's positive. Yeah, no, I think, I think that is like, we've, you know, we've worked hard, we put in the work and now it's, it's time to, you know, put, <laughs> put it to good use as they say. And things that I have coming up, I'll just say one thing. I have a song coming out at midnight. Um, it's called, I don't want to go to hell. And it's with Mike Servin, this, uh, Christian guy. I saw breakdancing going, Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen his stuff? I he's actually like haven't. A, no. Oh, he's hilarious. He, he went what, viral. What's his name? His name's Mike Servin, and he's a he's like a face tatted Mexican, like former gang member who got saved by the Lord. But anyway, he went crazy viral because he was doing popping and locking. It was just like Jesus Christ, like saying it super funny. And I'm like, we've been following each other, and he dropped this hook, and it was like, I don't want to go to hell, and it was so fire. I was like, dude, is that a song? And he'd be like, No, nah, man, I'm just chill. And I, so I was like, Yo, we gotta make a song out of that. So it, it's gonna be fire. I don't want to go to hell. It's my first like actual Christian Christian song. You know, I've dropped the lyrics, but it's mm. pretty much all that because it's instead of like an uplifting, like we love the Lord. We all do, of course. But uh, we also don't, you know, some people are like, I don't want to go to hell. So it's a, you know, a different, a different take on it. So I'm excited about it. Awesome, man. And uh, what's the best place for people to find and follow you online? I would just say dreamrarelinks.com. It's got all my links, but dreamrare on Instagram is an easy one to spell. And anomaly, A-N-0-M-A-L-Y, got Music with Zuby, uh, others everywhere, but yeah, dreamrarelinks.com, D-R-E-A-M-R-A-R-E-L-I-N-K-S.com. It's got it all. You already know I'm a computer guy, computer wizard. No, just, it's really just a link tree. Uh, it's very easy. <laughs> so, you know, I just put it in one place. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on the show, bro. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like a rain, clicking a bang. Y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.